Welcome to the Empowering the Future of Work podcast from InTech Ideas. The world of work has changed dramatically for companies and their team members. It's almost like someone hit the fast forward button, creating a new normal for work. The challenges we're encountering are endless, but there is a better way. This podcast focuses on tips, tricks, and topics to help you to excel in this new normal. We'd love for you to join us after the show when we host discussions about each topic on LinkedIn and Twitter. Now let's get started. Hi, and thanks for joining us. My name is Skip Marshall, CEO and founder of InTech Ideas. Today, we're going to be talking about data literacy and looking at data literacy across organizations and really focusing in on the rise of the citizen data scientist. Today, I've got with me Matt Cowell, the CEO of QuantHub. Thanks, Matt, for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Skip, for having me. I appreciate it. Now, it's, a, it's an interesting time, and we're hearing lots about upskilling and changes in the workforce and you know where things are headed. I want to talk a little bit about training internal team members. Now, do we need everyone to understand data science, or is there a spectrum of skills relevant for the workforce? Yeah, I think if, if we needed everyone to understand data science, we might be in trouble. <laughs> I think that, that's, <laughs> that's part of what's led to just such a massive shortage in talent um, almost talent crunch, really, because so many organizations are hearing about AI and they're they're all excited about the you know the potential of AI, and so they're like, well, I got I got to get some data scientists on the team, <clears throat> and so all companies are are kind of going down that path of trying to hire the most technical and and sought after role, and you know a lot of organizations to be to be more data driven there's a journey, you know, that they, that they need to go on it. And it's not all about just starting with data science. <clears throat> there's plenty of value to, um, to glean from data that is way before you even get into data science. You know, you start thinking about the different types of analytics, descriptive analytics, diagnostic analytics, um, you know, where you're, you're thinking about just reporting on what's happening and then you start getting into why it's happening. There's a lot of value and just starting with that type of analytics. And, you know, that's not necessarily a data science role. So, um, you know, doing predictive analytics, getting into AI, there's a lot of value there, but, you know, a lot of organizations just need to start with data analysts and, and cleaning up their data and getting that data in the hands of the right people that know, you know, know what to do with it. It's almost it's almost like having the value of having translator skills and a lot of uh, I like to highlight this a lot. A lot of tech translators, right? You have developers and you have non techies, and sometimes the most valuable people on the team are those that can translate between those two groups. And, and right. I think that's yeah. an opportunity for a lot of folks to get into the data science space to be able to bridge those gaps. Now, you shared yeah, an interesting totally. statistic um, from the World Economic Forum that 54% of employees will need significant upskilling by 2022. Now, that's not saying 2024, 2028, or 2030. That's <laughs> right. 2022 and, and just over a year and a half from now. So what's what's the most efficient way to close that skill gap? Well, and, I, and just a little bit on that stat, I mean, they what they're talking about, actually, if you read further into that, into that report, um, what's amazing. I mean, it talks about the future of work. And so it, it really talks about what those skills are that people need and data skills, data skills, AI skills, these types of skills are, are just at the top. And, and so it's just not optional for, for companies to have data literate workforces anymore. I mean, we're, we're generating so much data. Um, you know, I think the stat is in the last two years, and this is sort of a rolling stat, we will have generated more data 
than existed in all, all of history before that. <laughs> and so, so we're generating data just at a pace that's unprecedented. And if we don't have people that can be um, comfortable in dealing with that data, leveraging that data, we're just, you know, we're going to fall behind um, other companies. And so thinking about how to close that skill gap, you know, like, like you said, it's not, a, it's not a small task. They also say in that report that on average, employees need by that same time period need 101 days of upskilling. So it's not just that 54% of employees need significant upskilling. The amount of upskilling an average employee needs is almost half a work year. And so it's not a, it's not a small insignificant thing and companies just need to get started, right? It's not, you know, there's no way to boil the ocean and send everyone to these big long training programs. Um, you know, that's, Budget-wise, that's not possible. Um, you know, we all know that when we go to these training programs, when we have to, when we treat training and learning as an event, and we, you know, go have to schedule it on our calendar, we have to find two full days to go to this training program. We go off-site for that back when that was a thing where we could actually travel. <laughs> you know, we go and treat it as an event. We typically don't remember what we learned. Unfortunately, like the best training that I've ever gotten, I can't remember any of it, which is so sad. <laughs> you know, it's, you it, it, it's funny because, you know, you know, my background comes from the learning space primarily. So right. it's, you know, we always talk about the concept of the lifelong learner and it's, it's gotten mm -hmm. a lot of lip service, but to your point, this is, this is really about a, a journey and creating organizations that are focused on, you know, a journey-based learning model as opposed to something specific. So, you know, how do these organizations get started on this? Cause it's, again, that's the intimidating piece that they've got to figure out where to start and how to jump in. So what's, what is the opportunity to get them started on that? Yeah. And, and, and I'm a little bit biased on the solution because this is kind of what we do at QuantHub. But to me, I always like to know where just in general with problem solving, I always like to know like, where do we stand right now? So let's baseline kind of where we are and then that will, which is a data-driven approach to becoming more data-driven in this case, where are we? And so um, I like to think of it in terms of, you know, assessing skills, kind of benchmarking and baselining skills. That's, that's the type of thing that is available, um, is available now. We do that at QuantHub. There are other assessment platforms that do that type of thing. And so the way we like to think about it is, well, let's get a baseline of where our skills are. And then actually you can focus in on, on the opportunities for growth. And, and again, it's, you know, your, your people that are in finance, your people that are in sales, operations, service, um, ser customer service, these types of roles, they don't need to know necessarily how to do AI, but they need to understand what it is. They need to understand, you know, what data structures are just a, a little bit about statistics so that they can understand ways to analyze data and, and understand what the data is telling them. These are the types of skills that everyone needs to know, but it starts with what are my skills today? And if those, you know, those are the skills that I need to know, then what are some of those kind of bite-sized learning opportunities that can get me going in that direction? And that way it's, it's easier to get started. I mean, you know, Skip, I'm curious what you think. I mean, you, you know, your background in learning is, is kind of in that type of philosophy, right? Is that more bite-sized? 
Well, that's that's certainly been the trend, right? Is to to make things incremental. We don't have you'd mentioned what a hundred hundred plus days of, of upskill training <laughs> yeah. that they need to have happen. It's not like everybody can kind of just stop what they're doing and focus on training for a hundred days, <laughs> right? Um, because by the time they get to the end of the hundred days, well, guess what? You've got more stuff you've got to do. So it's yeah. you know focusing on that constant incremental bite-sized training becomes really, really critical. Now, you mentioned something that was interesting, kind of caught my attention and also kind of highlighting my experience from a leadership perspective. You mentioned all of the other kind of, and I'll call them frontline roles, the, the sales and the services people and all the people that are actually doing the work. Um, and you've got leaders out there that are, many of them are afraid to really kind of dip their toe in this because they're, you know, they feel that it will, it will show them as not being capable to capable of understanding data science, and you also we'll come back to this in a second. But the the idea of, of artificial intelligence and machine learning and how all that comes together in the data science yeah. world, and and that they're one and the same. People really don't think about it that way. But what right. are some of the things that the skills that non technical leaders need to have, um, kind of support that that mission for their organization? Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, I mean, even beyond skill wise, I, I think it is a it's a leadership trait where people need to be open to learning at all levels in the organization, even up to leadership, a recognition that I may not have these skills and I may need to bring on people, you know, that, that report to me that have way more skills in this area than I do. I mean, it's just, that's, a, that's an important, I think, leadership trait that's, that's really necessary in this area. Um, but in terms of like skills that, you know, non-technical, leaders need. I mean, I feel like the data literacy, that the sort of spectrum of data literacy skills are, are relevant for leaders, just like they're relevant for the frontline. And, you know, so whether it's data visualizations, understanding the right way um, to present data for people to understand it. And so, you, you know, you want to actually do some work to analyze a data set, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're working in a manufacturing plan and you're, you're looking at, um, incident rates or, or these types of things. And you're looking at the different parameters and how they actually impact incident rates. Or maybe you're, you know, you're an e-commerce manager and you're looking at, you're looking at data that are coming from sales and you're trying to correlate, you know, what's hot this month and what we, what we want to recommend and put on the front page of Amazon or, or whatever. These types of things are, you know, you need some data skills to do that. You need to be able to look at a data set. It could be an Excel, but actually find the things that are driving um, you know, driving the outcome that you're you're looking to drive. So you need a little bit of statistics. You don't need necessarily to understand um, t-tests, but you you know you probably need to understand at least a little bit of summary statistics, a little bit of data visualization, understanding different data structures. And if you are a leader that is kind of setting the stage to move into advanced analytics, um, AI, kind of big data, these types of things then you don't need to be the implementer of that. You don't need to understand as a practitioner, but it's good to understand, you know, what is machine learning? What's the purpose of machine learning? What are some use cases for machine learning? What's deep learning? Why is that different? And why is there, you know, why is there so much talk of that? So I just think, you know, some fluency in those topics is, is a great place to start. Yeah, and that's, you know, one of the things we talk about in our organization focuses on the future of work and how do we get organizations ready for that? The, the interesting thing, you know, considering everything that's going on right now in society, we've, we've kind of hit the fast forward button on that. So not only, you know, the World Economic Forum talking about that upskilling by 2022, but, you know, we're seeing all sorts of dramatic shifts. And one of the, one of the topics of conversation constantly is 
automation, machine learning, AI, and job replacement, people losing jobs and getting displaced. Um, and that's one of the things we, we focus in on with our, our clients is how they actually, as an organization, ready themselves to, to move forward with that. So to your point, being having a fluency level in data science is important regardless of your role in the organization. Um, you know, additionally, we also highlight that it's, you know, as a leader, you should be willing to take those risks and show people that you can be a little vulnerable to go learn something. And quite honestly, you mentioned this. If, if you're the type of leader that thinks that they have to know more than everybody else in the room, probably not going to be very successful in the future of work because the pace at which change is coming, nobody's going to have it all. It just won't happen. Um, yeah. And so sure, to your, to your point, I think that, yeah, that's exactly. how I think it holds organizations and teams back. And I, there's just, you can't afford to do that. Like you're saying the pace is, is, it's way too fast to, to be thinking like that. Hey, you, you made a comment actually about all the different roles that this applies to and, and really it applies organizationally. And I hear a lot of times when you talk about some of these technologies, organizations, well, I don't have an AI team or I don't have a, a data analytics team. Is it necessary to have a technical team focused on that? Or you know, where's the starting point for most organizations? Well, I... I, I I think there, there are two parts. Um, there are two parts of this. Number one, you need the skills across the organization to, you know, to deal with data, but they have to have the data in front of them. And so, st again, a lot of organizations hear about AI and then they're like, I got to hire a data scientist. And so by chance, churn is really high in data science roles. And part of the reason is companies hire a data scientist and then the, the person gets in the organization and says, where's the data I'm supposed to be working on? And the company's like, well, I thought that's what you were here to do. And they're like, no, 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 I analyze that data. I'm not the big data, I'm not a data engineer. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, a big part, a big step along the way to having a data fluent and, and a data-driven organization is access to your data. And so that a typical role there is going to be a data engineer. So if you're if you're thinking about going down this path and you're thinking about hiring, I need a data scientist because that's all all the rage. That's not the right role to start with. They have to have data at their fingertips. And so the right role to start with is someone who's in more of a data engineering role, you know, because you have data probably in your CRM system, um, you know, all these different internal systems that um, you know, you might have some sort of purchasing system or, or point of sale system. You know, there are all these systems that companies have and, and data is residing in those systems typically in a siloed manner. And so someone has to bring that data together so that you can start gleaning those insights and maybe do some data science on it. And that's typically more of a data engineer type of role. It's all about taking that first step, right? Yeah. So I got two more questions for you. One, you know, everybody talks about being data driven, right? They, you know, everybody is aware that there's a lot of this data out there and they can do stuff with it. How does data literacy actually make that a reality for our organization? Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's, it, it goes back to a lot of what we've talked about. If, if people have access to that data, they need this, they need the skills to be able to do something with it. And so it's as simple as just looking at a data set or looking at a visualization and understanding what that's telling me. Um, that's, 
that's on the um, maybe consumption of data side, meaning I'm getting reports from the organization. I need to understand what these reports are saying to me. So that's that's one aspect of data literacy. And that's kind of what people typically think of is they think of I have data. I need to decide what to do from that data. The flip side of that from a data literacy perspective is in the production of data. So an example would be like a customer service rep. <clears throat> customer service reps are responsible for entering data into some CRM system that downstream people are actually doing some analysis on customer behavior, but it all comes back to that moment when that person is on a chat or on the phone with a customer and they're entering what's happened. A data literate person is going to understand what that data might be used for, for downstream, and they're not gonna put default values in all of those fields. They're actually going to enter data, high quality data. They're gonna understand why quality data matters, and they're gonna enter that data because, and they're gonna pay attention to it because it's going to drive decisions down the line. So there's really both sides of that. Um, you know, Data literacy isn't just about reading and consuming and having the skills to do so, it's understanding why data is important and then paying attention to the sort of data quality life cycle, if you will. So it's really about driving both awareness and understanding across the organization so that the it becomes Absolutely. an environment that, that values that data and drives that data for the organization. I got one last Absolutely. question for you. So what's one thing that an organization beginning on this journey could do starting tomorrow to make this transformation for their organization happen? Yeah, I, you know, it's a little bit um, dependent on where you are. <clears throat> it's not sort of going back to one of the first questions we talked about, which is taking a snapshot of your current state. Um, I think if, if you're in a current state where your data is just not even together in a way that you can actually analyze and, and glean insights, then um, you might consider investing in, in someone to start pulling that data together. Um, I think access to data, you know, being data driven, there are there are several components of that. One key component is having access to data. And so you might start down that journey of pulling somebody in if you uh, to, to start bringing those data sets together. If you're a little bit further down that path and you actually have some of those data sets together and you're just not a data-driven organization, you're not making decisions based off of data, then you know there's a, there's a chance that it has more to do with the skills of the organization and the mindset. And so it needs to come from leadership down that this is a, you know, there's a curiosity as to what the data is telling us. We're going to make decisions off of data. So that's a little bit culture, a little bit skills. Um, so it comes from leaders, but you start rolling out kind of some, some skill upskilling programs around, around data literacy. You know, one interesting stat related to that is that there was a, a study by MicroStrategy and, um, in the respondents, 81% of the respondents of this survey, 81% of executives and managers had access to data. Only 44% of frontline workers had access to data. And so when it comes to being a data-driven organization, it's not just about giving the boss, <laughs> the quote unquote boss, access to the data. If it's going to permeate the entire organization, we all need access to it. We all should be making decisions off of data. And so that's that democratization of data you hear, you know, of getting that data into the hands of people and getting them the skills to do something with it. Excellent. So it really is about, you know, make that decision, make that commitment, make it a whole organization approach 
Exactly. Find out what your benchmark is for getting started and take action. Get moving. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Matt, thanks so much. It's always great talking with you. Uh, enjoyed this conversation. For listeners out there, we'll have Matt's contact information in the show notes. So feel free to reach out to Matt directly. Um, again, Matt, thanks so much and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Skip. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on the Empowering the Future of Work podcast. Don't worry if you think you've missed something. We include everything in the show notes. You can also participate in the conversation by heading over to intechideas.com and clicking on the podcast link. You'll find information on each podcast plus links to our social media channels to continue the discussion. Finally, make sure to subscribe to the show and share it with a friend. Until next time.